Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to the Speak Healing Words podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's conversation. I am so glad you have found your way here. Not an accident, not a coincidence. I wholeheartedly believe you have been divinely led to be here today because today is no ordinary day. Today is your day, a beautiful new day to make a fresh start to begin rewriting your story because you have a beautiful story, a story that needs to be shared. We're continuing our conversation today uh, on Ephesians 4. In my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, I open up the book in the introduction with Paul's words in Ephesians 4. Now, Ephesians 4 is only 32 verses, but this ancient text really serves as a beautiful guideline on how to practice our threefold chord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. The Apostle Paul was brilliant. And intelligent, yes, but so spiritually attuned to the spirit that he wrote these words at a time when, oh my goodness, there wasn't a lot known about uh, the brain or neuroplasticity or transformation. And so I revel in the fact that his brilliance was truly spirit-led. And so we want to look at his words because I truly believe That if we practice these 32 verses held within Ephesians 4 diligently on a daily basis, then our lives and everyone in our sphere of influence will be greatly affected and our lives and everything will be more meaningful. So grab a cup of hot coffee or hot tea. I'm not sure where you are or what season of the year it is, but here On the East Coast in Virginia, it is winter and the wind is blowing fiercely today. We have a cold front moving in sometime today. So I've got my cup of hot, steamy black tea and I am going to be sipping it throughout and while we talk. So last week in Putting Away Childish Things, Season 2, Episode 1, we looked at the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4 and hopped on over to 1 Corinthians 13, Verse 11, words that Paul also penned. And we grabbed and and took to heart his words to grow up, <laughs> to become an adult. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he's very emphatic. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. I did childish things. But for heaven's sake, I'm not a child anymore. I'm a grown up. So I need to put away those childish things. And we learned that childish really truly in the Greek meant, it means to us unskilled or untaught. 
So if we're still keeping those childish behavior patterns or communication skills or beliefs about ourselves, if we still have those childish ways moving in our lives, that means we're unskilled or untaught and we need to get skilled and taught. So that's what I pound the table over. That's why I'm here spending time with you so that we can all grow up. (laughs) We can grow up in Christ as a a Christian, a woman who follows after the teachings of Jesus, I want to be mature. I want to be a mature woman, a mature mother, grandmother, niece, nephews. I just want to be as healthy as possible and as mature as possible. So I want to put away childish things and I want to be able to put on mature behaviors and communication patterns. And I truly want to have a mature belief about myself. So today, in our second episode, we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. And there's a significant, uh, beautiful passage that we're going to hone in on, because that's what we do here. We hone in. (laughs) So let me just read these few verses as we begin. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 17. So I tell you this. This is Paul. And insist on it. So he's he's very excited and urgent and, and banging the table in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Gentiles were those who were not walking in the way of Jesus. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Verse 20, you, however, now he is speaking we, we discussed how Paul was writing to this specific community of believers, this community in Ephesus that had come together, meeting in homes, trying to follow this new way of faith and that Jesus had shown everyone when he came to the earth as a child and walked the earth and had his ministry here on the earth, he came to show a new way. Uh, he, He spoke clearly against the established religion of the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and he was showing a new way. He was bringing a new light. And that light was love and grace and mercy and truth. And so these, these followers, these little Christ, these Christians in Ephesus, Paul was writing to them, but he was also writing to the wider off, wider area in Asia and writing to just all beings so that they too could hear the words of this man called Jesus and follow a better way. But it wasn't an easy way. And so many, many people 
fell prey to just saying, that's just a little bit too hard for me to walk that way, so I'm just going to do my own thing. Well, that's prevalent today, isn't it? I mean, don't we all, if we're really, really honest, (laughs) want to do our own thing? When we want to do it, how we want to do it? Yeah. Boy, I'm so guilty of that. I want my own way. There's no doubt about that. So by handing my heart over to a God that I I actually can't visibly see, to many that's perplexing and foolish. And why would you do that? And I just respond, well, I, I have to because my eyes have been open to this new way of living my life. And I would much rather live it in following the leadership of God. That's that's my choice and that's what I chose and that's how I chose to raise my children, my husband and I. So verse 20 says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful, or we could add selfish desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're going to hone in. We're going to put verse... uh, 22, 23, and 24 under the microscope to our best of our ability in this very short conversation. And so many times, so, so, so many times, and one day I'm going to count how many times Paul actually tells and instructs and urges us to put off something and put on something else. And typically he's saying put off the old self, the vices, the Um, shadow sides and put on this new way of living, this truth and light and life that Jesus Christ came and modeled for us here on this earth. You know, the Bible is a true story. It is not a fictional account. It is a true story. Hard to believe? Yes, in some points, in some ways, in some stories, you think, holy cow, nobody could get swallowed by a whale and live. But Jonah did. So I do accept these teachings. They are they are the guide and I practice them because they truly, to me, are my truth. So in verses 22, 23, and 24, Paul is encouraging us to put off the old self and may, be made new in our attitude of our mind and then put on the new self. So for the sake of time, we're just putting off the old and putting on the new. Well, Paul was way ahead of his time as far as uh, counseling, psychiatry, psychology, because uh, a, a very universal teaching is the true self and the false self. Uh, Freud, oh, so many, so many great scientists and psychologists, psychiatrists, thinkers, uh, even Richard Rohr, a modern Rohr, a modern day thinker. We we put that into this is the true self and this is the false self. In my book, in Overcoming Hurtful Words, I like to coin it, uh, the true self is our God-breathed self. 
pointing back to Genesis 2, 7. When God took a huge deep breath and made the beautiful decision in his vast mind to breathe life into our being and bring us into the world. Please, I insist like Paul, I urge you to go to my website, JanelleRairdon.com, J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com, and hit the Heartlift Method, the little tab, and go to phase one of the Heartlift Method, the Reflect phase, and listen closely and quietly to the beautiful audio meditative directive on the Genesis 2-7 beginning. Please, I insist, I urge, get real, real quiet and listen to the beautiful proclamation about that moment in your life when God decided it was time, Kairos God time, for you to be brought into this world for such a divine purpose and time. Oh, please, please, sorry. So I call the true self the God-breathed self. I do love Richard Rohr, a, a just a brilliant spiritual director and, and priest, and he writes, you and every other created thing begin with your own divine DNA. And that's what I talk about in the Genesis 2-7 beginning. That's your divine DNA. That is your true self. That's who God in his mind, in his vast wisdom and imagination said, And from his nostrils, the breath of divinity came into you and you became a living, breathing being. An inner destiny, as it were, an absolute core that knows the truth about you. That's your divine DNA. Your cellular DNA holds your divine self's truth. You are a true believer tucked away in the cellar, cellular level of your being, an imago Dei, an image of God that begs to be allowed to be fulfilled and to show itself. Okay, he continues, the only way that freedom and relationship grow is through a dance between the loneliness and desperation of the false self and the fullness of the true self, which is ever rediscovered and experienced anew as an ultimate homecoming. Oh, I just love this. An ultimate homecoming. In my practice, in my work, and in counseling, we call that embodiment. When you are coming home and feeling at home in your skin, your body is at ease with itself. That God-breathed true self. But what happens? We've talked about this in episode previous episodes that... You know, we're all born into a family of origins. 
We're born into caregivers. We have no choice. We talked about this last week. We have no choice with our beginnings, no control whatsoever. But in that breath, God also breathed our beginnings and he positioned us. If you believe as I do, you don't have to. Let's just entertain it and have a conversation that God put me, Janelle Reardon, smack dab in the middle of a family with a father who was an alcoholic and a strong Catholic mother. He positioned me there. And I have come to accept that through a great deal of counseling and heart work and spiritual direction and thinking and praying because that is where God assigned my lot. He says that in in the beautiful Psalms. And he has assigned us our lot. And I accepted that. And I had beautiful, beautiful restoration with my father and now my mother. And now I can truly see that I would not be doing the work I am doing today had I not lived the life that I've lived. Now, yes, that is acceptance at at the deepest core. And it, it wasn't easy for me to make my way to that acceptance and that surrender. But I did. God helped me and he will help you. So our God-breathed self, you know, that's, that's the divinity in our DNA. That's our divine cellular imprint of God. But our family of origins then adds to that. So is that nature-nurture? It just, we absorb our atmosphere. That's just the bottom line. To me, it's no more complicated than that. So we see then the world through that framework. So with my alcoholic home life as a young, young child from infancy to toddlerhood through six years old, 85% of my personality statistics say was formed. I, I didn't know that. I absorbed it. More is caught than taught. And in that dysfunctional atmosphere, I learned, absorbed codependency, people-pleasing, so many unhealthy behavior patterns and communication skills, and certainly a very unhealthy sense of self. So what about your family of origins? Just consider that as you're moving through today, keeping that in the prefrontal cortex, the front of your mind, the rational part to go let me just look at this. Let me reflect upon it. Then I want to reframe and reauthor the three phases of our Heartlift method. So I can make meaning of my my origins, my family of origins. I can make meaning of it, understand it, so that I can move forward in my life into future freedom, which is so sweet. And I am there living in this new narrative in my life, this newfound freedom with a strong, healthy sense of my true self, my God-breathed self, and my false self, that self that I absorbed or that I took on from coaches or teachers or bullies or church systems or you fill in the blank. Anyone who had an imprint on my life 
I took that on. So in that, there are limiting beliefs. There are negative narratives. There are hurtful words that took root. So we go through that in Overcoming Hurtful Words and in the podcast where we went through each and every practice. So just revisit that and revisit the book and we'll continue moving forward into future freedom. Today, we're we're taking Paul's words that we need to put off that false self, that old nature, those old negative narratives, those decade-long family narratives. We're putting them off so that we can now become, return home to our God-breathed true self. I received today the beautiful brand new introduction in chapter one to my friend Susie Larson, a, a new book of hers called Fully Alive. I couldn't stop reading. And so I wanted to just uh, read it to you because she brings out some amazing, amazing truths in it. I'm going to start with, oh, I'm just going to start at the beginning. So bear with me. She writes, in the Gospel of John, Jesus asked a man who'd been sick a long time, do you want to be well? Now, you know, we've talked about this in great length in, in, oh, I, I don't remember which episode it was, but it was season one. And Jesus asked this man, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healthy? And the man says, I can't, sir. And she writes, I've always thought I'd give a different answer if Jesus asked me that question. I've recently walked through one of the most refining seasons of my life. Susie writes, old health symptoms flared and new symptoms grabbed me by the throat. Anxiety surged and fear seemed to win the day. Current fears reminiscent of old threats instinctively made me curl up, cover my head, and brace for impact. Day after day, I felt prompted, strongly nudged even, to revisit the passage in John chapter 5. But I couldn't understand why. You know, she had one of those God whispers we talk about. Of course, I wanted to be well. I ate well, drank lots of water, guarded a consistent bedtime, prayed the scriptures, embraced my faith, and took my vitamins. What more could I do? Yet one day the Lord whispered these words to my heart. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. I hated my storm. I wanted out of my storm. I couldn't bear the thought of another significant health battle surfacing and the anxiety it stirred within me. Boy, can I hear an amen. But once I realized that God intended blessings for me, even in the midst of the storm, I opened my eyes and looked around. Even though painful to face and to own, I soon discovered the lies that had held me back. Here's another important truth, another whisper. Those lies had remained hidden before the storm. She writes, once I spotted the lies holding me captive, I also identified the truths that would set me free. Though I was clueless before the storm, 
I realized in the storm that I'd had my own I can't answers for Jesus's question, do you want to be well? I know I'm not the only one. People everywhere are dealing with storms, symptoms, fears, rogue emotions, and anxieties that have appended their lives. A friend said to me the other day, dealing with emotional stress and crazy health symptoms is no longer just a topic for conversation. This is an epidemic crisis. People are stirred up, stressed out, and long to know the kind of health, freedom, and wholeness that Jesus promises us. I asked a couple of friends, a counselor, the other a doctor, if they were seeing the same thing. Without hesitation, both answered yes. The pressures of life, the pain in our past, and the stress perspective we choose all swirl around us and even more so within us. There's not a woman, or I could say a man here, I'm adding that, who can honestly say that she or he is unaffected by it all. Referring to the pressures of life, the pain of our past, the stress perspective that we choose on a daily basis. And because of the storm, we react, if not inwardly, then outwardly, to our hurts, our fears, and our perspectives, especially if it's skewed. Eventually, our minds, bodies, and emotions suffer the accumulative effect of living an untended life in a stressed out world. Now lean in. This is what got me. She writes, I've learned a valuable lesson from my most recent storm, and it's this. What happens in our souls happens in our cells. C-E-L-L-S. A distressed soul creates a distressed body. Where our thoughts most often go, our lives follow. And the hurts and the heartbreaks we endure, they too will settle into our souls and into our cells unless we learn to metabolize them with God's help and loving perspective. We'll conclude with her words here. We live in a culture that is addicted to treating symptoms. We want just enough help to get us on our way so we can continue to live a life of just enough, good enough, well enough. Lean in. Here we go. Here's our question. But at the cost to our souls, our story, and our calling, not to mention the very quality of our lives. Susie Larson, thank you. You totally have put your finger on the pulse of exactly what I too am trying to do in my work and in my life and in my studies and my research. My time with you here is to help us all take a collective deep breath away from the crazy, stressful, pressured unhealthy rhythm and pace at which we're living our lives. Is this new under the sun? No, because Paul was writing about this. 
And he's asking us to put on that new self, that get a new attitude in our mind. Because what happens in our souls happens in our cells. <laughs> a distressed soul creates a distressed body. And a, I'm going to add to Susie's word, distressed bodies lead to distressed human beings, which leads to distressed home lives and families and communities. And that all is just bottom line unhealthy. So what one action step can we take today to live into Paul's insistence that we put off the old self and put on the new self? Is it as easy as just taking a deep breath? I've told you my word for the year is pace. Maybe finding a little slower pace in which to move through the day. Maybe say no to some very good opportunities or activities to just equilibrate the rhythm of our life so that it's healthier, which in turn will make us happier and holier in all aspects of the word. Thanks for being here today. This was a lot. I know. Just take it all in. Listen to it again. And I urge you once again, subscribe to this podcast, please. Leave a review. Your subscription, your review enables us to have more influence. And that is what the Speak Healing Words community desires in its core. Influence. So that home and hearts can return to being safe, sacred, special, stable, secure places to be. Hop over to JanelleRairden.com. Go through that phase one, reflect and listen to the Genesis 2-7 beginning. And please join me over on Instagram at, at Speak Healing Words, at Janelle Reardon. And have a blessed day. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.